Let's pray, uh, and then Philippa is going to share with us uh, as we continue our series mm. on rhythms. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we get to open your word together. Yeah. Uh, and as Lord, as we take these moments now, we pray that you would encourage us and challenge us as we mm. think about our own discipleship and we think about the shape uh, of our lives. Uh, Lord, we pray that you um, uh, would mould us this morning. Lord, might we go away uh, today uh, a little bit different, a little bit more like you than yeah. when we came in. And Lord, we thank you for Philippa. We thank you for the skill that you have given her uh, in, in, in holding your word and in presenting that to us. And Jesus, we pray that you would speak through her now mm. uh, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thanks very much. Great. Um, well, if you haven't joined us in the last few weeks, you may not know, but we are uh, journeying through a series which we've called Rhythms. Um, and what we've been doing each week is focusing on one particular habit or rhythm that we might be able to build uh, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus. The things that scripture invites us to do that helps us to participate in life with Jesus as we follow him and seek to look more like him uh, in our lives. And uh, we've been journeying through some amazing stuff as we've gone through and I've absolutely loved it actually. It's been really practical and inspirational. Um, so what an amazing opportunity it's been. And we're coming to the end of it uh, now. This is the penultimate uh, session today and then next week just to whet your appetite um, we're, we've got a guest speaker coming to speak to us from the message trust um, his name's Aaron and uh, he's going to come and speak to us all about mission and evangelism as a rhythm of our discipleship so um, get excited for that he's coming next week uh, but today we're going to talk about Sabbath um, and I'm excited to do that because this is something that uh, I've been working on, that uh, me and my family have been journeying with um, over these last uh, few months. And we've been trying to figure out what does it look like to be people who take Sabbath, one of the commandments, uh, really, really seriously. So we're gonna, I'm going to speak to that a little bit. Um, and then I've asked uh, the wonderful trainers to come and share a little bit with us as well about how they fit that into their lives. Um, and just to say as well that I've been, uh, we've shouted this book out a few times, but I just want to say again that some of what I'm going to talk about this morning is from um, Rich Velodas's amazing book called The Deeply Formed Life. Um, and if you haven't read it already, uh, please let me encourage you to grab a copy and to read it. Um, it's an amazing book which speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, about how we implement these really practical rhythms uh, that help us to enter further into what God has for us, the privilege that we have of being invited into those things. So let me encourage you um, to do that. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes uh, talking to us. I'm going to start with uh, helping us think about how do we currently live or what's the state that we're in, maybe that the world is in, that we're encouraged to be in by the world. Uh, what's the way that God calls us to live and why? So that's what we're going to do. So let's talk a bit for a minute about the way that we live or the way that the world encourages us to live. Uh, there's a phrase in the book which was helpful to me as I was reading it. Uh, the dangerous pace at which we often unwittingly live. The dangerous pace at which we often unwittingly live. We are people who are busy, 
and we are encouraged to be busy. We're encouraged to be productive, whatever that word means. You know, we're encouraged to fill our time with things that make us feel as if we're achieving something, as if we're pushing into something. You know, I don't know about you, um, but you, my algorithm, all of the videos are either about like productivity or time management or like how to effectively keep your house beautifully clean and all of these things all of the time. Maybe that's just a really sad insight into my algorithm. Maybe yours is much more cool and creative. Um, but you know, everything that is spoken to us, um, everything that we want to believe about ourselves is that we can be productive people who achieve things and who get things done and who are busy and who fill our time. And that is what the world says to us and that is the temptation that each of us have in how we live our lives. But what I want to say to us this morning is, and suggest to us is that perhaps we are not people who were created for that kind of speed. Maybe we're actually not people who were created for that kind of intense speed that the world tells us we need to live at. And so what that means is when we are stepping outside of the ways that we've been created to live, we're out of sync. We're out of rhythm. And what are we out of rhythm with? Well, we're out of rhythm with the step of the spirit. And I want to suggest to us that this morning that the reason for that is that what we are creating in our lives is a lack of margin. It's a lack of excess space. You know, it's a lack of uh, idling. It's a lack of sitting, staring at the wall. You know, we, we've created these lives which don't give us any space for margin, any space for God to just creep in and speak to us. And when we, when we push those margins to the side, when we try and make every single second of our lives productive, what often gets pushed out is life with God, that slow pace of life with God. Now, I don't want to suggest that work isn't a good thing. Uh, God created us to be people who work um, in what, whatever that looks like for you. God worked at creation and he made us to participate in that and to work uh, in the same way. You know, work being part of uh, the creation of the world was something that was established before sin entered the world. We read in Genesis, we each have roles and responsibilities that God's given us in the world. But what it is that we face and that the challenge is to us is overwork is idling, making an idol of our work. And the reason why that's a challenge is because it crowds out connection with God, the spaces in our lives where we connect with him and dwell with him. So that's the state that we might be in, we might find ourselves in. But here's the way that God calls us to live. This is from Exodus uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 8. And this is when God is giving the Ten Commandments. And this is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. 
but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Right back, as God is establishing his people, he gives them a command that they must keep a holy day called the Sabbath. Sabbath is an invitation to each of us into a life that isn't dominated or distorted by overwork. It's an invitation to a life that isn't dominated or distorted by overwork. Uh, It's often been said that the commandment most, most violated by everyone is the fourth. This one, this is the commandment that is most often broken by us. And weirdly, the commandment that we most often boast about breaking. You know, I'm, oh, I'm just so busy. How are, you know, that's so often the answer to uh, how are you, isn't it? Oh, busy. Pretty busy. It's been a full time, you know. So often it's, you know, oh, I've, wor- I've worked 12 days in a row and I haven't been able to take a day off. Or, you know, I've worked uh, every morning, afternoon and evening for six straight days. I've filled all of my time. And as much as we're kind of saying, it's like a humble brag. It's like, oh, poor me. I've made this life so difficult for myself. I'm so busy because I'm just such a productive person. Um, that's our temptation, isn't it? It's the commandment that we are most guilty of boasting about breaking. But in this, uh, in this passage from Exodus, as the Ten Commandments are giving, being given out, this is the one that has the most detail attached to it in Scripture, because it's like God knew. I need to really reiterate to these people uh, what, it's, what it means to have Sabbath. And he makes it really clear, doesn't he? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. In six days you need to do all your work, because on the, sab- on the seventh day, that's the Sabbath, and you need to keep that holy, and you are not to do any work. Not you, not anyone in your household, not even your animals. Because, and this is the reason that it gives, God managed to get all his work done in six days. <laughs> and then he rested on the seventh day. So if God did that, how much more do you need to do that? And so God is calling us, has always called his people from the beginning to a weekly 24-hour period of unhurried joy, of unhurried delight, with no, you've got to, with no, I ought to. And the result of that is supposed to be, gets to be, we have the privilege of entering into deep rest and being renewed, allowing God the space to renew our hearts. And interestingly as well, Sabbath is not a reward for our hard work. It's not we get to the seventh day and God goes, you've done really well this week, so 24 hours off for you this week. Or vice versa, that he goes to the, you know, we get to Saturday and he goes, no, no, you've not achieved everything I got you to achieve this week. Sabbath is an intentional stopping of work when everything is not done. Because I don't know about you, but I never get to the bottom of my to-do list. And so if we're going to be people who intentionally take rest as God has required us to, we need to acknowledge that we're always going to have to take that 
before we finished everything that we need to do. And so it's something that we practically need to prepare for each week to get ready for. And this is wildly countercultural, isn't it? Again, it's all about margins. Culture doesn't tell us that we need to keep margins in our lives. Like I said, culture tells us that we need to fill every second of our day either with stuff that we're doing or media that we're consuming because it's always available to us all the time. And so this is massively countercultural for us to say, do you know what? No, I'm not going to just get that quick bit of work done on a Saturday morning. You know, I'm not going to stay late at the office when my Sabbath is beginning. I'm not going to, uh, you know, pick up extra work and make sure I push to get it done in time for Monday morning or whatever it is. It's countercultural for us to say, no, I'm going to stop because I need margin in my life. Because otherwise, I'm stuffing the space full where, where God could be. So why? Why do, why? why do we need to do this? Why is God calling us to live this kind of countercultural uh, Sabbath-taking life? Well, the first thing is, really practical, uh, we get tired. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm tired a lot of the time. Uh, and that's another way that we answer, how are you, isn't it? If we don't say busy, we say tired, because we're busy. <laughs> we're busy people, and, and we're tired. And God knows that we get tired, because he made us. And he made our bodies, he made our minds, he made our spirits, and he knows that they get tired. We get tired in our bodies. Our bodies need rest and sleep. We get tired in our minds too, don't we? Because we're constantly bombarded with relentless information all the time. And mostly, although maybe we don't acknowledge this quite as much, we get tired in our spirits. You know, as we've been going through this uh, series, we've been talking a lot about our souls, our spirits being hungry and thirsty for God, for more of him. Our souls are hungry for God. They're thirsting after him. And so too are our souls exhausted without him. They're tired. Our spirits are tired without the presence of God. There's a famous uh, quote that St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We have restless, tired souls that are seeking more of God, that we might receive rest in him. So that's the first reason. Why should we do it? Well, we get tired and we need to have a rest. But one of the most amazing things about Sabbath uh, is not just that it gives us rest when we're tired, but it reminds us of the grace that we have freely been given. It was first uh, told to us, first given to us right back in the reading we just had uh, from Exodus 20, first stated in the Ten Commandments that we are people who need to rest. Uh, but what's interesting about the Ten Commandments is um, the timing of when they're given. As we've been saying a lot through this series, again, you know, all of these things that we're talking about, they're not a means of salvation. They're not the things we need to do so that God will love us. They're things we get to do as redeemed people. 
Uh, and this, so this is true of the Ten Commandments. Because God first rescued the Israelites out of Egypt and then he gave them the commandments. He didn't say, here's all the stuff you need to do and then I'll save you. He saved them first. And so what we can read and understand is that the Ten Commandments and also the, thing, you know, the things we've been talking about, the rhythms of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus are not things that we need to do in order that we might be saved. They're things that we get to do because we are redeemed people. They're how we look. They're the ways that we do our lives. God's care, God's love for you is not based on how well you perform. Let me say that again. God's love for you is not based on how well you perform. It's not based on how well you live. God's love comes first. It came first and it's unconditional. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. And Sabbath is a countercultural way of reminding ourselves of this grace that has been freely given to us. This love of God that's been freely given to us. And it's making space in our lives as well to celebrate that. The Ten Commandments are a way of life that describe what redeemed people look and live like. And, and, you know, the people of Israel, when we, when we read back in the Old Testament, they were a people who were defined by their work. You know, they were slaves in Egypt. Their identity was all tied up in that work that they were being made to do. They had no idea how to live any other way. Maybe you've experienced this. You know, our lives are so tied up in the stuff we need to do the work that we need to do. You know, how many of you remember when you were even a kid uh, being asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, what do you want to be? What's your work going to look like? What are you as a working person going to look like? And, you know, now when we meet new people, often one of the first questions that we ask is like, what do you do? What's your job? So much of our identity is tied up in, in work and what that looks like for us, even though that looks like a whole spectrum of different things. But what this has done is it's made us a destructive people. You know, we're people who are overworked or who are obsessed or even oppressed by our work. But uh, in the midst of the exhausting, busy and frantic lives we live, God gives us this gift of Sabbath, and the Sabbath reminds us of the gospel of grace. It might actually be the most amazing sign of grace, because whilst we are resting, whilst we are on purpose seeking to accomplish nothing, God loves us. When we're taking Sabbath, whilst we're on purpose, intentionally accomplishing nothing, God loves us. Is that good news? To you today, it is to me. And why should we do this? Well, we should, we should take Sabbath because we are a Sabbath people. You know, we are a people who tell a Sabbath story. Because this uh, thing we get to do, taking this 24 hours of rest in our week, it's not just about a practice, it's about a person. You know, it's about making space for us to be in the presence of Jesus, 
reminding us on a weekly basis of the true rest, the soul rest that we talked about that we need. This is more than just stopping work. It's about seeking God. The way to experience this kind of rest, uh, it's not found in something that we do, but in something that God has done and continues to do. And what the reason why I say our, our story is a Sabbath story, uh, we're, the pe- we're people who carry a Sabbath story, is because um, of the way that God worked out our salvation in Jesus. You know, we know that God sent his son, Jesus, to live on the earth, to show us how to live, but also that he died. And the most powerful, amazing, incredible thing about that story is our saviour Jesus, God's son, as he lay in the grave, the world was being renewed and restored. And we were about to see resurrection. If God our Father could renew the world whilst he was in the grave, how much more might we be renewed and might the world be renewed if we counterculturally choose to rest in his presence, to seek him more, to rest in who he is, not because it's a practice we need to do, but because it's a person we get the privilege of being with, of spending time with. When we place our faith in Jesus, we exchange our exhaustion that we've created for ourselves for his rest that he gives to our soul. So I wanted to ask uh, Michael and Natasha to come and share with us. Um, they're going to help us to kind of take the theory, the Bible, the theology of what we just talked about and, and, and apply it uh, to, to our lives. So why don't we give them a welcome. Thanks, Philippa. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, yes, I agree. Amen. Um, we're we're going to just share a little bit from our experience. So I'm going to give a, a short introduction. And we're going to talk about uh, how we observe Sabbath and how that's been a blessing to us. Uh, so yeah, I agree. Um, I've been in church ministry for 17 years now. And there's nothing easier than ignoring the Sabbath as someone who, A, is a human, and B, especially uh, for me personally, who's worked for churches. And uh, there's this great um, story in Mark 2 where Jesus is uh, it's on the Sabbath. They're going through the cornfields. Remember this one? And they pick the, the heads of the corn and the Pharisees say, hey, you're doing something which is unlawful uh, on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And I'm like, that's all the excuse I need to water down the Sabbath and to not bother observing it for my, basically most of my adult life. And I was like, come on. Sabbath wasn't, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. I can take my Sabbath one hour here, half an hour in prayer. Um, But actually the Sabbath, as Philip has said, is an incredible gift to us. This is great scripture in Isaiah 58. Those of you who know me know I'm a massive Bible nerd, so I've got to read a bit from the Bible. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, that's me, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. 
the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What an incredible gift. That's the Sabbath. And when God offered me that gift, I was still like, yeah, I'm okay. Thanks, God. But when my wife encouraged me to take the gift, I felt like I should listen. Because actually, Natasha is really the one that's been really driving us to, to observe the Sabbath in a much more deliberate way over this last season, which she's now going to speak to. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I have a cold. Um, so yeah, what encouraged me to start on this Sabbath journey? I think like in a sentence, I was tired, very, very tired. At the end of summer, I felt like we'd just been traveling from, you know, since June, July, August with family trips, work trips. And then I was looking at what September was going to look like. Michael was going to start training. He was going to take over the 6 p.m., which if you haven't been to the 6 p.m., go to the 6 p.m. It's amazing. Um, and work was going to get insane. We have a three-year-old, Eve. And then, like, baby baking takes a little bit from you. And so I was just feeling totally exhausted. And... Um, on one of the many nights I couldn't sleep, I was reading um, A Deeply Formed Life, which I'm going to repeat a little bit from that today. And uh, I was really challenged by um, Pastor Rich's section on the Sabbath because I, I felt like it really spoke to me. And so something that Philip has already said but was really encouraging was, you know, Sabbath keeping is not just about a practice. It's about a person. More than anything else, the Sabbath reminds us about the true rest we need, soul rest. We live our entire lives trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to become something, working hard to be noticed or proving that we matter. And all of this is exhausting, isn't it? The quality of rest that our souls need that goes beyond a spiritual formation practice. There is a quality of rest we need that is more than ceasing from work. The quality of rest we need is from God alone. And Jesus affirmed it in this way, come to me, all, you are, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The way to experiencing this kind of rest is not found in something we do, it's found in something God has done. <laughs> Jesus Christ underwent the biggest kind of rest imaginable. And here's the promise, when we place our faith in Jesus, we exchange our exhaustion for his rest. And it was something that I needed to hear at the end of August. It was something that I needed to hear this morning because I didn't sleep at all last night. And, you know, as someone who likes being in control, ask Michael Trainer, I, I feel kind of like I'm mostly doing everything and then God's in the background waiting to be tagged in if I need him. You know, that chapter was just a reminder to me that, you know, this life is not about me, but the things that Christ has already done and I need to submit to him and find rest in him. And, you know, Sabbath just is this great reminder to stop. Stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying. Stop and spend time thanking God. And like Michael said, because Sabbath rest is a gift. So that's where my Sabbath journey began. And um, so the second thing is, like, what does Sabbath look like for us? Now, we're very aware that, you know, we have a three-year-old, so it ain't restful ever. Um, but, you know, we've, we've taken some of the tips from uh, Rich's book, and we've chosen Friday to Saturday, Friday 6 p.m., Sunday to Saturday to 6 p.m. to be our Sabbath. And that's because, you know, Michael works on Sunday. And so while Sunday is a holy day for us, it's not really like a rest day. It's not like a family day. 
And so after we pick up Eve, when 6 p.m. rolls around, we're very intentional. You know, we, we uh, light a candle, we say a prayer, um, we thank God, each one of us goes around and we thank God for Sabbath. And obviously Eve is just sitting there quietly while we're doing this. No, so sometimes, sometimes, sometimes she's running around the house, but she knows Sabbath has begun because we talked to her about it um, the day before and in the morning. And she knows that, you know, we're about to enter Sabbath rest. And so we put Eve to bed and then Michael and I makes dinner because he often makes dinner slash he makes food 100% of the time. And um, then we just hang out like, like homies. And then, so, we know, we try and commit to a few boundaries. I wouldn't say rules, but like boundaries. When a couple of them are, we try and stay off our phones because as we all know, phones are addictive. And we try to have like non-urgent communication. So, um, you know, we stay off of WhatsApp. We, we don't get distracted by... Wikipedia or videos. Um, we don't do any paid work, so I don't check my work emails. I have an out of office. We also don't do any unpaid work because I find, you know, like there's always something to do laundry, chores, etc. And um, we. We're not allowed to talk about oh, big decisions. This is my favorite part. That are on, on like to do lists. Like yeah. We need There's to think about the big questions. We're not allowed to do that. None of that. And um, we only spend our money on things that are going to like be restful and worshipful for us as a family. So we don't spend money on like uh, household appliances, etc. So those are things that we try not to do. The things that we do is, you know, we hang out together as a family. Um, and we try and hang out in ways in which we don't hang out Monday through Thursday. Um, you know, we leave the city, which I love leaving London. And, um, you know, we'll hang out with our friends and we do this uninterrupted. So we're not like checking our phones, etc. And we also, you know, Michael loves nature and I love buying hot chocolate in nature. <laughs> and um, so <laughs> we'll be out just, you know, thanking God for it. And then when 6pm on Saturday rolls around, we again light a candle we thank God, we take a breath, and then we're just grateful for the rest. And, you know, we do that based on what our lives look like now. When, you know, January comes around and there'll be another trainer, I'm sure we'll think of other ways to be restful. Um, but, you know, Sabbath is about restfulness and worshipfulness, and that is how we're defining what it looks like. So, some of the blessings. Yeah. So, yeah, just one thing for me why it's been amazing is, like Natasha said, I've recently started training to become a priest, uh, going through ordination process, and uh, I've been looking after the 6 p.m. service, and we decided as a team to like do a deep biblical exegesis at the 6 p.m. Um, and it's a lot of work, uh, you know, for a 45-minute Bible study, I was putting in, you know, between 12 and 20 hours of preparation minimum, and it was stressful on top of college work, on top of family stuff, and I was struggling. But to be obedient and to say, I'm not going to prep until late at night. Wow. What a blessing. I always thought I was the kind of person who pretty much trusts in God. But my, the depth of my trust in God to say, do you know what? It's not all done, but you are good. Yeah. You are here for me and you will, like you will accomplish was incredible. It has been incredible. Uh, so yeah, just like Philippa said, the, the list is never done. It never will be, 
admitting to myself that being an effective person is a bit of an idol for me, trusting it into God's hands and, and knowing that he will accomplish has deepened my level of trust in him tenfold even from where it was. Uh, so it's been a huge blessing and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for my, for my wife who's been a blessing for encouraging me to do that because uh, I probably would still be sitting there thinking, oh, I should really get on that um, if it worked for her. So yeah, that's, that's one way it's really blessed me. And then there's three ways that it's really started to bless me. And the first way is um, with Eve. Uh, another plug for Michael, 6 p.m. So next week he's talking on Ephesians 6. And Ephesians 6, 4, I'm pretending I, like, know this, um, is all about, after the, like, you know, honor your father bit, it's, you know, um, fathers don't provoke your children. Instead, you know, raise them in which, um, like, glorifies God. Paraphrasing. And, um, like... Being able to model Sabbath for Eve is so incredible because I don't want her to like get to this, you know, this feeling and sense of brokenness and then she discovers Sabbath into her 30s, 40s, wherever we are. Um, I, and to hear her pray and thank God for Sabbath, like a word that I don't even think I knew until I was into my 20s is, is like parenting goals. And so I'm just so grateful to see that she is living out this thing, this gift that, you know, I just discovered. And the second way is with our relationship. And as Michael said, um, because of the ground rules that we have, um, we can't spend Friday night talking about all the things that I would like to talk about our future, our, like, what are we going to do, or what's next, where are we going to live, da 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 like the chores. We just get to hang out. And um, Michael and I are very different. We have different passions. We're nerds in different ways. And the, the way, one of the ways in which our nerdiness intersects is that we um, both like listening and reading out loud classic literature. Don't judge. Um, <laughs> and Don't knock it till you tried it. And, um, and uh, like, so after, after our meal, we, you know, we've, um, we start reading these books and we like I never feel I never feel closer to Michael and can like appreciate Adam's um, sentiment in Genesis 2:22, and he talk, you know talks about like the flesh of my flesh and bones of my bones when Michael and I are like um, discussing who the murderer was and like an Agatha Christie book and and also kind of bemoaning how some of these books don't really hold up in 2023 um, but it's just it's just nice, and, and Sabbath provides the space for intimacy and restoration and friendship in a way in which, like, you know, we sometimes forget because we're kind of chief executives in the, like, Eve Trainer Company Foundation. <laughs> and, and so I've been really grateful for that. And then I think the, the third thing is it's been a blessing for me because, again, it's like this reminder to, to stop and you know Michael talked about how like we're never finished and we're never done and um, you know going back to Rich's book he says although we are almost finished we're almost finished is um, you know in the practice of Sabbath keeping we live out the truth that one day we will leave all things unfinished as we rest in the arms of Jesus and I think like you know there always will will feel like work to be done an email to answer an item to be bought but, in, but, you know, who I am and what I can do and what I have is because I'm a follower of Christ. And that's enough. And 
because God is more than enough. And, you know, in him, only true rest will be found. And so, like, you know, I'm very aware at, like, nine months pregnant with a three-year-old and a really full schedule and dragging myself into church today because I'm so tired. I'm not, like, the poster child of rest right now. Um, But, like, what is amazing is because of God's infinite grace and mercy, Sabbath gift is always available to me and to you. And we just have to, like, take it and keep trying and keep encouraging ourselves to continue to do it. So, Sabbath. I'm into it. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we stand together? Um, band, why don't you come and join us again? Um, would you pray for us, please? Both. Dear Lord, <clears throat> thank you so much for the gift that is Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, that you are that you exchange our exhaustion for your rest. Lord, thank you that wherever we are and however we are encouraged to take up this gift, that you are waiting to be and take our burdens, Lord. And we are just so grateful to what you have already done and the fact that we, are, we can find true rest in you. Lord, just thank you that you love us. Thank you that you give us good gifts. Thank you that we can rest in you, Father. And I just pray that this morning that we would be challenged afresh to accept that gift from you and to not reject it, Lord. Pray that we would be able to call the Sabbath a delight and to honor your holy day, that we would find joy in you that we would ride in triumph on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob because you have spoken. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship together. I'm going to come to take communion. But let's just receive together the gift that God has for us this morning and has for us every day which is rest in him so as we worship let's let's lay aside the things that uh, have been troubling us the things that we've come with the to-do list that's kind of scrolling in our minds and let's just um, focus on him as we come to this time together